Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphin. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. We dive into a variety of cases in both the U.S. and abroad. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of, like the Pocatello babysitter murders or the canal murders. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime, like the Tylenol murders and the Lindbergh kidnapping. We also dive into cases that are currently breaking thanks to DNA and forensic genealogy. Sometimes you'll hear from people connected to the cases, like the interview we did with the brother-in-law of the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo. There are close to 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now, including full seasons covering the Zodiac Killer, the Golden State Killer, and Ted Bundy, and new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. You're listening to The Murder in My Family. Brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including Missing Persons, DNA ID, Beyond Bizarre True Crime, Zodiac Speaking, Scene of the Crime, and Three Men and a Mystery. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder in my family. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Murder of My Family. I'm your host, Mike Morford. In this episode, we'll be discussing the still-unsolved and cold-blooded murder of a well-liked 20-year-old Beaumont, Texas man who died in a hell of bullets outside of his home. Was the murder random, or did someone have an axe to grind? We'll dive into this case after some quick housekeeping. Independent podcasts like this one depend on word of mouth to bring in new listeners. So if you find that you enjoy this show... Please take a minute to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast, and be sure to introduce a friend of the show and invite them to listen. With your help, the murder of my family can continue to grow and reach a new audience. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurderofmyfamily.com. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter with the handle at murderofmyfam, or you can find us on Facebook by searching for the murder of my family. And you can also listen to the show for free on the Spreaker app and even interact with me by commenting on episodes that I can read and respond to your comments. If you'd like to help support this show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder of my family. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon may include early and ad-free episodes of the show, or bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Support may also include stickers, thank you cards, and more. If you prefer to, you can also support the show through a PayPal donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash the murder of my family. 
In each episode, I'll give shout-outs to any new supporters. And thank you to all the supporters that help keep the show growing and improving. One last note, please consider supporting any of the sponsors that you hear on The Murder of My Family, the way that those sponsors support the show. It's with our sponsors' support that this show can go on and continue to provide a platform to share these stories with you in every episode. Thank you, and now on with the show. It's been just over four years since the murder of Levi Pruitt, and his family is still searching for answers and justice. There isn't much to go on in this case, but Levi's friends and family are hoping that someone out there knows something, or has heard something that can help them as they grieve the tragic loss of their loved one. Levi Bennett Pruitt was born on November 9, 1997 in Beaumont, Texas to Tony Lee and Diane Bennett Pruitt. He was one of three children. He had a sister, Lainey, and a brother, Logan. Although the relationship didn't work out between Levi's parents, ending in divorce when Levi was just five years old, they stayed close for the good of their family. Levi had a large extended family, and he went to Westbrook High School, where he graduated in 2016. He worked at Monkless Catering as a cook and lived with his father on the 3900 block of Sunbury Drive in Beaumont. Levi was described by people that knew him as someone who liked to help people, and he was loyal. While he would help any of his friends who needed it, if you crossed him, or if his trust in that person was broken, he had no time for them and would move on from the friendship. On February 27, 2018, 20-year-old Levi was standing outside of his home with friends. It was about 5.45 p.m., just before sunset. According to Levi's best friend, Andrew, Things suddenly went south when a teenage boy approached them and pulled out a gun. They asked Levi if they should do things the easy way or the hard way, to which Levi replied, I don't have any problems with anybody. With no warning, the teenager shot Levi three times. Injured, Levi tried to go back into his home, but he collapsed and his attacker fled the scene, leaving shocked witnesses behind. Levi's father, Tony, immediately made a call to Levi's mother, Diane. He told her that their son had been shot, and he was scrambling to try and save Levi. Understandably, it was a chaotic phone call. Levi was rushed to Christus St. Elizabeth Hospital, but was officially pronounced dead shortly after arriving there. Police scoured the area for the shooter and talked to witnesses. Levi's friend, Andrew, said he had no idea who the attacker was and that everything happened suddenly. He added that he didn't know who the kid was, and the best description he could give that he was a 17-year-old kid with a pistol. Andrew detailed how Levi was just sitting on a porch swing in his yard when the killer came up and shot him. Neighbors reported seeing suspicious vehicles before they heard the gunshots, but they figured they were just friends of Levi's coming to visit him. Despite the eyewitness accounts, there are no real descriptions of the shooter available just that he looked young. It's unclear why authorities haven't released a sketch or a better description for the public. An updated press release from the Beaumont Police Department stated that authorities were interviewing several witnesses and following leads, but it's never been clear what those leads were, and since it's been almost four years now, it seems like they didn't pan out. The same press release asked the public to call with information. It seems like Levi's community and the public in general needs something more to go on, or it may be possible that this killer is going to get away with his crime. Levi's death was sudden, shocking, and senseless. 
Levi's stepfather, Michael Rogers, told Fox 4 Beaumont that they didn't just take Levi's life. They took a piece of all of us. They took a son, a brother, a nephew, and a great friend, and so far, no one can think of any reason why this happened. Levi's mom, Diane, added that any mother in her situation deserves to know what happened to her child and why. More than anything, Levi deserves justice. Part of that justice is getting answers. The two biggest questions being, who killed Levi and why? Levi's friend, Andrew, has also been affected by what he witnessed that day. He told 12 News, I watched one of my best friends get shot, and I've never seen something like that in my life. Levi's family did interviews so that people would be able to see who his family was, and they wanted everyone to know who Levi was, hoping that someone out there might see them, sympathize with them, and share any information that they had. But as of now, no one's come forward with information that has helped solve this case. Levi's death was Beaumont's second murder of the year in 2018. With about 115,000 residents, Beaumont isn't a tiny town, but it's small enough that you'd expect something like this to make an impact. And there's more crime in that area than you might think. When the FBI released its 2018 crime report, it revealed that Beaumont actually experienced more violent crime that year than Houston did. And unfortunately, the crime rate there isn't going down, it's going up. Four years after Levi's life was taken, no one has come forward to say that he had any enemies or was up to anything shady. Levi's father, Tony, has said that everyone loved Levi and he was a good kid. And based on what Levi's friends have said, they've backed that up. Levi's family and his many friends are absolutely shocked that this happened to him. And four years of not knowing who took Levi from them is way too long. If you have any information about the murder of Levi Pruitt, please call the Beaumont Police Department, 409-832-1234. If you don't want to get involved or face retaliation of some sort, officers have assured that no matter who you are, if you know something, you can give a tip without revealing your identity. They just want to solve Levi's case. Please do the right thing and provide your tip if you have any information. Or if you're in Texas, especially in the Beaumont area, Please share this episode on social media. Perhaps the right person will see your post or listen to this episode and come forward with the details that solves the case. I sat down to talk with Levi's mom, Diane, about her son's senseless and tragic murder. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. Hi, Diane, and thank you for coming on to talk about your son, Levi's case with us. Hi. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have you here, and I, I hope that we can help you tell your son's story. Uh, very tragic, and it seems like an act of senseless violence, and we'll get into the details of what happened. Can you tell us a little bit about your son, uh, Levi, what kind of person he was, and you know, maybe some of your memories of him? Well, Levi was, he was 20 when we lost him, and he was just one of those type of kids that he never met anybody he didn't like, and he was notorious for bringing people home with him who didn't have a place to stay or food to eat. He'd bring people home so we could feed them, and he could offer up his bedroom many times. 
for people who just needed a place to crash. Um, he was just a kind heart, a gentle soul. He was just a good kid all around. And um, it's just, there's just so many memories that just flood, flood me when I think of him because he did have such a good heart and he had so many friends. I mean, when we lost him, people from everywhere came and talked about how wonderful he was and how he would give them uh, the shirt off his back. I mean, literally, not just literally, he would give them clothes and give them things so other kids would have what he had. So he was just a really good kid. It sounds like it. And someone that had friends and, and was pretty popular, it sounds like. Yeah, he was. More so than I thought. Yeah. And did you hear a lot of things come out after his death of people coming forward saying how, you know, nice a person he was and that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I met so many people I didn't even know that had been affected by Levi's life, that he had done something for them that I didn't even know about. And so it was just overwhelming to see the people that the young kids that came out and would say, Hey, I remember when I didn't have any food and Levi invited me over and, you know, it was one of the best meals I'd eaten. And at the time he was living with his grandmother and his father when it happened. And so his father would always, always have kids over at their house that Levi was helping. Yeah. So it sounds like a good place to hang out and, uh, you know, if, if people needed help, he was there to help them. Yeah, he was. How long was he living there at the time? He had lived with his dad um, for about five years. His dad and I had divorced when he was five and his brother was three. And when Levi turned, I think, 14 or 15 is when he decided he wanted to go stay with his dad. When he went to live there, did he fit in right away? Was there any problems? Did he have any, you know, it sounds like we had a lot of friends. Did he have anyone that he didn't get along with, any enemies? Um, not in the beginning. He he had, um, his father's house had been broke into, and some of Levi's items were stolen. Levi was big with the the, the tennis shoes that would come out, you know, the Nikes and Jordans and stuff that would come out. And so he would save all his money to buy those things. And he had someone break into his house and steal some of those shoes. And he knew who it was. And so that's kind of where we're leaning is thinking maybe that individual might have had something to do with Levi's passing. How far in in advance of him being shot did this uh, theft occur? I think it happened a couple months, like four or five months before. And the guy had broke into the house and they found out who it was. And then the kid came back around trying to be Levi's friend. And one thing about Levi is if you disrespected him, he was done with you. If he helped you, and gave to you, and you took from him, 
he was done because he was so always so willing to give, 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 but he didn't like a thief. And so he had confronted the boy and um, from what I was told, he had beat the boy up and told him to stay away from my house. Don't ever come back to my house again. So do you know if, if that person did stay away was, or did they have any more run-ins before? They didn't have any more run-ins after that, but you know, we're kind of leaning towards that kid is the one that shot Levi. It makes sense that someone that he recently had an issue with like that might be someone on the suspect list. Yeah. Yeah. If if you would, can you walk us through the day uh, that your son was shot, February 27th? Um, what happened, how things unfolded that day? Yes. My um, son worked with his father and my current husband at a catering company there in Beaumont. And they had gotten off work, and it was probably around 5.30, a kid had come over that nobody in the family really knew but Levi. And the kid had asked Levi to come sit out on the front porch. Levi and his buddy, and then this, this I say kid, but he was in his 20s had come over and asked Levi and his buddy to sit out on the front porch. And they went out there just for a little while because they generally didn't like to sit out on the front porch when it got dark. And at 5.30 in February, it was getting dark. And so it was like, okay, we'll sit out here and talk to you for just a little while, but then we're going back in. And no sooner had they gotten out there and sat down and started talking Somebody just walked up to the front porch, a, a young kid from what Levi's buddy said, walked up and pulled out a gun and said, look, we can do this the hard way or the easy way. And Levi was like, man, I don't have any beef with anybody. And he jumped up to run into the front door. And when he did, that individual shot him three times. So he never made it into the house. And by the time my ex-husband ran out to the front porch, the shooter had already gone. And the kid that had talked Levi into coming out on the front porch um, was still sitting there and Levi's buddy was, you know, frantic. But they were never shot at. It was three solid shots straight to Levi. Wow. So that person pretty much left two witnesses there to the shooting. Yes. Wow. And, and so I assume your husband is in shock. He's frantic. His, his son is there. Um, you know, what does a parent do in that situation? That yeah. time waiting to, to get help there must have been very difficult for him. Well, he um, he called 911 immediately, and then he called me, and I was at home with um, my husband, and he he was just screaming on the phone. I, I couldn't even fa- comprehend what he was saying. He just kept saying, Levi's been shot, Levi's been shot. And, you know, being the mom, 
my first thought is he's going to be okay. It's just, you know, but finally I handed the phone to my husband and I said, you're just going to have to talk to him because I can't understand what he's saying. And basically I just didn't like what he was saying. I didn't like hearing him say Levi'd been shot. So we got dressed real quick and we grabbed our uh, younger daughter who was 10 at the time. And, um, Levi was her hero. She adored him. And he has a middle brother who absolutely adored him. And my husband grabbed me and my daughter and we took off for the hospital. And he dropped us off and ran to pick up our middle son from work. And while we were in the hospital waiting room, um, the family room, the doctor came in and told me and my little girl that he had passed. So, you know, and that's that's when people started showing up. And then his brother got there and I had to tell his brother that Levi had passed. And his brother had a, had a really, really hard time with it. And it's been a struggle not knowing and not having the police seem like they even care about the situation. It's just so, been a struggle. It, it, so that must have been a, a really difficult time. You've got your whole family there. You've got this awful news. And then you've got to now say, okay, who did this to my son? And you've got to turn your attention to the police. And what did the police say early on after the shooting? You know, and that's the thing. Nothing really was ever said. They kept saying they didn't know who the shooter was. They they interviewed the guy that Levi had to fight with, and they didn't think he was he had done it. And they interviewed the kid that talked Levi into coming out on the front porch, and he was crying so bad that we know he didn't do it, and he didn't set Levi up. But I worked in the federal prison system for 24 years and I know it's a possibility he could have set Levi up and not realize they were going to kill him you know and that that can't, that's what I kept telling the police just because he's crying it doesn't mean he didn't know that they were going to come yeah for all he knew, he, he was setting Levi up to be robbed or to, you know, be scared or whatever. But they don't even, I guess they don't know where this boy is anymore. He's kind of just like falling off the face of the earth. So one of the two witnesses is nowhere to be found. Right. Wow. So From what I understand. Now, did you start getting some resistance from the police? You, you you said that it didn't seem like they cared. What kind of things did you run into where where you sort of got that feeling? Well, it'll be four years this month. And they've never once called me to, since the initial, when it first happened, since then, they... They don't call at all to let me know where the investigation is going. They, um, when I call them, they never have anything. I probably haven't talked to them in almost two years. So 
they don't do anything to keep in contact with me or our family. Now, I've since moved from Beaumont, but my ex-husband is still there. But they don't do anything to keep in contact with us, to keep us uh, informed of what's going on. They uh, did interviews in the very beginning, but now I have no idea what they're doing. It's almost like they just don't care. It's almost like Levi's case has been put up like on a shelf and it's just sitting there or something and not yes. anything's being done with it. Are they yes. responsive to you? Do they, when you reach out to them, do they reply to you at least or? They do. One of the detectives who's, you know, he'll, he'll say, well, we still don't have anything or, or we'll, we're still looking at a few leads. But like I said, this was two years ago was the last time I talked to him. I got to the point to where I got tired of calling them because there was never any answer. There was, it was like, there was never any hope. They never shared. They were never able to give me anything to even grasp to. So, and you know, these are, these are 20 year old kids, you know, they're talking. I mean, you can't keep something like that secret. They're kids. They're not adults who, who have, that mind to be able to shut their mouth and keep moving forward. They're kids who like to brag and say, I was a part of this and I did this. And so somebody knows something. Do you think they're, and it's, do you think they're afraid to maybe come forward uh, and share what they know? I think that they are who, whoever knows is afraid to come forward, but at some point, either they're, the people who did this are going to go to jail for other crimes that they've committed because it, it wasn't just a, I shoot one person and I'm done. I really don't believe that. I think it was a bigger, I don't think it was their first time to do something like this. And it's probably not going to be their last time. Yeah. To, to be that cold and shoot someone, you know, multiple times in front of witnesses yeah. sounds pretty, pretty uh cold and dangerous yeah so you know that's where we're at right now we have no answers whatsoever and we've got no support from the police department so you know and i read the newspapers from beaumont all the time and they're just one one after another they're catching all these offenders who are killing people there but they have just like kind of washed their hands with Levi. Uh, is is Beaumont a high crime area? It has gotten that way. Okay. Um, it has gotten that way. It wasn't that way when we were raising the kids there and stuff, but it has definitely moved in that direction. That's one of the reasons I'm, I moved away. Sure. A lot of cities, unfortunately, seem to be, sometimes the more populated they get, the the more trouble that seems to pop up. Yeah. And Levi's murder was the second murder of the year in 2018. Okay. So. And it was February. So that would be, you know, uh, you know, one a month at least on average, it seems like. Yeah. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch. She can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Now, when they, I know you mentioned that a theory of yours was that this, this person he had a, thought was the person that broke into the house and stole his stuff was a possible suspect in your mind. The police seemed to think he didn't have anything to do with it. Did they look at any other suspects at all? Do you know anyone else uh, in Levi's circle of friends or people he knew, any acquaintances? Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know because they're, they've, they were pretty tight-lipped about everything. So we don't know who they interviewed. We don't even know if they interviewed the kid that broke into the house for sure. We don't know. We don't know any of the people that they interviewed or talked to other than the two individuals that were uh, originally there that night on the porch. Yeah. And hopefully they, they would thoroughly talk to them and everyone else, you know, even the people that weren't there, people that were in Levi's circle, because maybe someone else could fill in some blanks as far as who else might have had issues with him, had he had any recent arguments with anyone, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Were they yeah. ever able to produce a uh, sketch uh, based on the description of those witnesses? I don't even know that they even asked for a sketch because I never saw anything like that. Wow. That just that seems like something they could do rather easily based on two witnesses up close to to be able to give some kind of idea of what the person looked like. Yeah. And then that's kind of where I'm lost because it's it's almost as if it was not a big deal. His death was not a big deal in the full scheme of things there in Beaumont. That's that's how I feel. That's how I feel the police are looking at it. And you have to ask why that is. You know, did they somehow look down at Levi for whatever reason and not feel his case was important to solve? That's, you know, we've always said, I just wonder if maybe the individuals that were uh, a part of the murder did they have any ties with the police department? Did they have any ties with somebody higher up in Beaumont? You know, it's kind of something we always kind of, my husband and I uh, throw back and forth at each other. Was this a kid, the kid of somebody who mattered in Beaumont? Hmm. You know, had some connections that might try to keep it, covered up and not dug into too too deeply. Right. How has the local press been? Have they been actively covering Levi's case uh, this whole time? Um, I did a interview um, for the news station a year after his murder on the anniversary. And they, they'll play it. I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but the last three years or two years, they've played that interview on the anniversary of his death. And that's pretty much the only, uh, the only thing we get is that one little clip of them asking if there's any leads. And, you know, we weren't able to raise money to 
uh, get a Crime Stopper reward or anything. That was something we had talked about doing, but we didn't know how to even start that, and we didn't have the backing for anybody to help us start it. So, I mean, we're just, we just have no answers, none whatsoever. Sure. And there's no book on how you handle a situation like that. Um, you know, what to do, how to raise money for a reward, that kind of stuff. So it must have been a, a you know, really tough learning experience how to try and do stuff on your own. Yeah. I mean, and that's where you would think that the victim's advocate uh, people would come in and, you know, kind of help you because we are the victims of a of a crime. So that's where your victim advocate uh, people should come in and help us figure out what we need to do and how to do it. And and that never happened either. So uh, have you have you tried to search out any kind of. Uh maybe Facebook groups, uh, things like that, or contacted any victim advocate websites, anything like that to try and give you help or advice or anything? I haven't. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've just given up because I'm so frustrated with how everything played out, um, but I haven't. I have... A Facebook page and I reach out all the time asking people to please please give us information I've tried to look into maybe finding someone who actually works with the police department who's like clairvoyant or can solve crimes you know just through their intuition and I've thought of that there's so many things I've thought of I wanted to Really, billboard in Beaumont, and just do whatever I can do to to bring it back to life because it's it's just he's the forgotten child. Yeah, and as a parent, you do anything you could think of, whether it's contacting like a psychic, like you mentioned, or mm -hmm. you know, even going to to try and get billboards. Anything you can do. Um, you know, I don't think anyone would blame you for trying to think of anything outside the box at this point. Um, you did mention your Facebook page that you have. What is the Facebook page so people that are listening can find it if they want to come check it out? It's Justice for Levi. And uh, it, people can uh, contact you there and give tips or information if they have it? Yes, yes. Oh, that's that's good. And Picture of him, the picture of him He's standing in front of some angel wings that uh, one year we went on vacation to Colorado and they were um, doing angel wings all over the city. And we stopped in front of a big set of angel wings and he stood there and that's the picture of him on the Facebook page because there's another Justice for Levi page for another young man. Um, I mean, this tells his story that the page that we have tells his story and he was a beautiful blue-eyed, blonde-haired boy. I mean, just ringlet curls. And so that's the Facebook page. If anybody has any information or any tips or any anything that we could do maybe to get this going, it would be a tremendous help because Even, our family's lost. Yeah. I, and, you know, as a parent myself, I can't imagine what you're going through 
not having answers and, you know, having clues. It'd be one thing if, if your son, if there were no witnesses and you just found him dead, that would be tough enough. But here there's witnesses. So it gives you a reason to be hopeful, but yet nothing's coming from it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and hopefully the police are, you know, behind the scenes, although it doesn't sound like they're communicating a lot with you on it. Hopefully they are still, you know, investigating and digging and, and, you know, keep the hope up because, you know, as tough as it is each year that passes by, we see old cases getting solved that are 20, 30 years old. So, I mean, hopefully it doesn't take that long, but sometimes it does take a while, but it's, it's reassuring when we see cases that didn't seem like they would be solved, uh, being solved. Yeah. Did they have any, as far as you know, did they have anything physical evidence wise, as far as the shell casings, the bullets, uh, anything, uh, fingerprints, DNA, anything at all that you know of to work with? I know that they had the uh, shell casings. And soon after the murder, they were able to um, do some type of gun database there in Beaumont where they entered all the rounds or the bullets and the uh, information into the database. So if anyone else is should be shot and those bullets um, are found, they would be connected with Levi's murder. Okay. So that's, that's that positive news. No. There might be some kind of trail that could yeah. possibly lead back. And I, I don't know, maybe they, they also could pull DNA off of the shell cartridges from where he touched it or handled it um, or possibly fingerprints. There could be hope for some kind of evidence coming from there. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah. But there again, I'm, I would think after four years, we would have heard something about it. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. And that's, um, you know, sometimes they have, with with depending on the evidence that they have, sometimes they'll have, an, you know, a, enough of a DNA sample that maybe – they couldn't do the genealogy that solves a lot of these old cases, but they could compare it to a suspect's and at least rule them out as being the person that did this. Um, yeah. So it, it, hopefully they have something to go on and, and it helps down the road to, to provide your family with answers and, and find out who did this. Um, mm-hmm. If the person that did this is out there could hear your voice, what would you want to say to them? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, they, they get to live every day and see their mother or their grandmother or their father. We don't get that anymore with Levi. I just wish the person who did this had enough compassion because it had to, it was somebody who Levi knew. It was not a stranger to Levi. Because Levi's buddy said he had recognized him, but there were some things surrounding uh, his story that they didn't find credible. And Levi never did anything to hurt people. And he had so many friends. And just do the right thing. Just come forward, do the right thing. 
Levi's life mattered to so many people. And his life is still affecting so many people, even though he's gone. But I would just ask him to do the right thing. You're still going to be able to see your family, no matter where you are, if you're locked up. Levi's never going to get that again, and I'm never going to get that. His family's never going to get to see him again. And I just, I wish they would do the right thing. Come forward. Yeah. Hopefully, if anyone listening has information or even heard a rumor or however little it may be, maybe they can contact the police in this case or even come to your Facebook page and you know, give you a anonymous tip. I heard this, I heard that. You never know. The right person might have some information. And people that are don't have any information but maybe live in that area if they're listening, maybe you can share Levi's story on your social media uh, so that it, it spreads around that area and more people are aware of it. And who knows, maybe someone that thought the case was solved has information and it just you know, refreshes their memory of something that happened and they come forward. That's what I'm counting on. I mean, that's all we have now is just hope and yeah. it's a struggle every day. It just, it never goes away. Sure. Well, don't give up on, on the case. Don't give up the hope and, and keep that faith that something's uh, going to happen. That's going to, provide answers one day and, and maybe his, his killer will be brought to justice. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Well, I, I want to thank you, Diane, for coming on and, and discussing Levi's case. And again, I'm hoping that your family gets, gets justice and finds out who did this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm hoping and I'm praying that this opens up doors that, that we have never seen before. And it just, something happens and i really appreciate you having me on thank you once again for joining me for this episode of the murder of my family i'd like to thank sunny landon for writing and research assistance in this episode as we wrap up i'd like to play a preview for a true crime podcast called active shooter be sure to give it a listen we'll be back here soon with an all-new episode of the murder of my family and i hope you'll join me for it but before you go remember that every murder victim means something to somebody. We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter inside the warehouse. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter events. We will delve into the lives interrupted by domestic terrorists. We will investigate the background of the shooter and together discuss ways in which they can be stopped or even prevented in the future. We will also discuss the failures of our mental health system. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I've been shot. One, six, nine, ten, means we got shots fired. Four, fifteen, ASF. Route 91, sounded like an automatic firearm. But there appears to be shots fired. We will look at the media responses and discover together how they may have inadvertently inspired and contributed to the rise of the mass shootings. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active shooter, mass casualty incidents. This is not a political podcast, nor a podcast about gun control. 
This is a podcast that studies the psychology behind active shooters and how and why they make the decisions they have made to take the lives of innocent people. Welcome to Active Shooter. Thank you for listening. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.